love of Jesus something wonderful? Amen. Turn your Bibles one more time this week to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That does not mean I won't be here tomorrow night, but it does mean that it will conclude our study of the spirit of faith. And so <clears throat> thank you for being here. Some of you have been here every service. Some of you not able to be here every service, but you watched when you couldn't be here. And uh, hopefully uh, you've uh, been blessed by the word of God. <clears throat> I know that God's word is right on target. Amen. And um, I know that if your heart is open uh, to hear from God, that you will hear from God. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it last night. I got under conviction under a guy preaching the message that was not even rightly divided. Uh, but it was still the word of God. Amen. And it can work. Amen. Amen. Uh, even, uh, even with frail vessels and tainted vessels. But um, I pray and trust that the word of God has spoken to your heart this week. And uh, the Spirit of God has had liberty. I know that it seems like each night it just gets a little bit, uh, uh, gets a little freer in here. And that's good. That's the way a meeting ought to be. Uh, you ought to have more liberty each and every night uh, to worship God and to preach God's Word and to uh, receive the Word of God. And uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so uh, we're glad He's here. We just want Him to be... Uh, heeded and obeyed, and and uh, him to just be the Lord of the house. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter four, and uh, we'll read verses thirteen through eighteen once again. And uh, maybe, maybe as we've read it this week so often, maybe some of these verses are starting to be committed to memory. And uh, and uh, let's let's uh, pray toward that end. Amen. Word of God's powerful, and you hide it in your heart, it'll keep you from sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, stand if you're able uh, while we read the text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 13. The Bible says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want to look tonight at the spirit of faith's values. What does faith value? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for your precious word. And Lord, what a, what a joy it is. What a comfort to our heart to know when we open this book and we read any place in this book, we know that these are your words. And Lord, that you preserve them perfectly for us in this King James Bible. God, thank you for that. And Lord, we do know that to whom much is given, much is required. Lord, you've given us so much. You gave us your son. You gave us the word of God. You gave us the spirit of God. Lord, I pray that uh, you gave us the church of God. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, take all of these blessings that we've been given the, and the stewardship that we've been given, uh, Lord, with our lives. And God, I pray that we would uh, once again just yield ourselves to your spirit, do the work in our hearts that needs to be done. I pray that we would grow in grace, that our faith would grow. Lord, that we would live our lives in a way that brings honor and glory to your name and uh, brings souls to Christ. Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all you do. We pray that you would convict the lost that may be here tonight. They're in church, but maybe they're not in Christ. Lord, would you speak to their hearts, help them to realize that they're sinners and that they have no hope of saving themselves, but that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Help them to trust Christ, be born again. 
Lord, I pray for the people of God. Lord, I pray that we'd have a revival in our spirits of faith. We'll thank you and praise you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We began looking at the spirit of faith on Sunday, and we saw that the spirit of faith is a victorious spirit, that it does not matter what the circumstances are, does not matter the situations that we are in, when we have faith toward God and faith in God's plan in our, in our lives, we can have victory even in the troubled times and, and the hardships of life. And so we saw that the spirit of faith is victory. And then we looked at the spirit of faith's voice, and we see in verse 13, he said, uh, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. And that how genuine faith will, if it resides in the heart, it will come out the mouth. Amen? And then we looked at last night the spirit of faith's vision. And uh, from verse 18, we saw that we don't look at the things that are seen. We look at the things that are unseen. That takes faith. Amen? And tonight I want us to look at the spirit of faith's values. What does faith value? What does faith put uh, confidence in and what does faith believe is of value in this life? You know, I, I want to just lay right out there for you, and you probably already know this, that, the, that faith's values are diametrically opposed to fleshly values. What the flesh values, faith does not value. And what faith values, the flesh does not value. That's why if you walk after the flesh, you cannot please God. But if you'll walk by faith, then you can please God. Amen? And it's because your value system is going to be right. And uh, from our text primarily tonight, we're going to be uh, right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to briefly look at the life of Caleb as, uh, as it pertains to this truth at the close of the message. But from our text tonight, I want us to see three things about the spirit of faith's values. Number one, faith values the internal, not the external. You look at it again in our text, in verse number 16, it says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. You know what those who live by faith value? They value what's on the inside. And that's because they understand that the work of God happens on the inside. And the outward man is perishing. And faith understands that. And faith understands because that outward man is perishing, he should not and she should not spend all that they have on the outward man. That there are, that, listen, that there's an inward man and that is the one who is to be valued. That is the one who is to, give, to be given precedence. Uh, we, we, uh, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, hold your place in 2 Corinthians. Turn over just a few pages to Ephesians chapter 3. When we think about faith valuing the internal... I want us to think about this fact. Faith accepts reality. Now we, you know, we think, well, reality is, you know, that's what I can see and what I can experience, what I can touch. But that is all going to pass away. Faith understands that these bodies all have an expiration date. And so faith values the internal knowing that it is longer lasting and knowing that that is where God does his best work. In Ephesians chapter 3, look at it with me if you will. Look at verse number 14. He said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, <clears throat> excuse me, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Listen, Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you. I am praying that you'll be strengthened in the inner man. 
Now listen, you go to prayer meeting, most, most prayer meeting nights in most churches across this country, and you have prayer request time. And I challenge you to think about this. The majority of the prayer requests are physical in nature. Well, pray for Aunt Matilda. You know, she's got a, she's got a, she's got a, a bad hip. And pray for me. I've got a cough or a cold. Or pray for this one. They're sick. Or pray for that. And look, listen, I'm not saying those aren't important. But I am saying that the inner man is more important than the outer man. The matters of the heart. When was the last time you went to prayer meeting? Somebody said, preacher, pray for me. I'm really dealing with something in my spirit, in my soul. I need help from God to get past this thing that I'm going through. Would you pray for spiritual strength for my heart? Amen. Would you pray for my neighbor? He's lost. He needs the Lord. Would you, pray, would you pray for our family? I want God to work in my children's hearts. Those are the things that are more important. The inner man. Faith does not, faith does not focus on the outward man uh, exclusively. He understands, faith understands, that what is on the inside is what really matters. He values the internal, not the external. Look at, uh, look at, and, and look back at the text here in, in Ephesians 3. Look what it says in verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You know what, you know what the Lord uses to strengthen the inner man? The riches of his glory. You know what God's going to show us in eternity? The riches of His glory. I'm looking forward to seeing the riches of His glory. But you know what? I want those riches of His glory to be working in me before I even get there. I need to be strengthened by His Spirit with might in the inner man. Faith understands and puts a premium and values that which is on the inside. Look at uh, Romans chapter 12. Look at Romans 12. You know these verses, but I want us to turn there. I want us to read them. Romans 12, look at verse number 1. There's a very important word used here I want us to think about for a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he's talking about the body in verse 1. Is that right? Just say amen right there. He said, yeah, amen. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Know what he's saying? In order to present your body a living sacrifice to God, if you want your body to be in obedience to God, you are going to have to start with getting your mind renewed. You're going to have to get your mind renewed concerning your body. So what do you mean, preacher? I mean this. In the world today, we hear this all the time. My body, my choice. Unless you're talking about the vaccination. Anyway, didn't mean to get political there. But the whole idea of the world is, it's my body, I can do with it what I want to do with it. That's the world's idea, is it not? The Lord, listen, to, to the believer, the Lord would have us to think differently. We need our mind renewed to say, you know what? This body is not my own. It's been bought with a price. 
I've been bought by the precious blood of Christ, body, soul, spirit, or in the biblical order, spirit, soul, body. And so this body is not my own. I can't think like the world. I can't be conformed to the world. When it comes to my body and my life, it belongs to God. And I'm not going to put the emphasis upon the body. I'm going to put the emphasis upon the soul, upon the spirit, upon the mind, upon the heart. Faith values the internal. you got to have your mind renewed. You know why? Because the world bombards you with everything else. It bombards you that, you know, look after number one. Take care of yourself. You are first. And, 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 and I mean, here's the, here's the new fad diet to take care of the body. Here's the new workout. Here's the new, here's the new fashion. Are you listening? All of it geared to the body. Because the world puts value upon that which it can see. But God, listen, God in his word, he tells us, no, I want you to be strengthened with strength in the inner man. You need to have a spiritual workout. You need to have a good spiritual diet. And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff, you know, take care of your body, do all that stuff. All that's good. But let's start with the spirit. Let's start on the inside. That's what faith values. Faith understands the value of the inward work of being conformed into Christ's image. Here's what the world does. They see a person and they want to be like that person. They want to have the build of that person or the beauty of that person or the riches of that person. And so what they do is they start patterning their life to make themselves like that person. For the believer, our goal is to be like someone else, but it's Jesus Christ. You ever wonder why, man, we don't have any pictures of Jesus? Why is that? Because God knows we're a bunch of idolaters. Everybody be trying to be looking like Jesus on the outside and not paying attention to the inside. Hey, I'm glad it doesn't take the outside in order to be like Jesus. Otherwise, you, you ladies, you'd be left out. Is that right? You know what, ladies? You can be like Jesus. You can. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about uh, women adorning themselves in modest apparel and, and, and modest uh, spirit and, and uh, the, 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 that they might see the inward man. They, listen, in your life, lady, you can, you can emulate Jesus Christ in your life because of the inward work that he's doing in your life as you yield to him in your spirit, in your heart. Faith understands the value of being conformed to the image of God's son. To renew is to renovate, to transform, to make new. Look at this, listen to this, to restore to former condition. What does that mean? Well, if you go all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, what does the Bible say about God creating man? God looked over at the Son, at the Spirit. He said, let us make man in our own image. We're patterned after God. And when we, listen, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind and renewed in our heart that we might be, be like Christ, transformed. Not conform, but transform. Something that conforms is something that, that adapts on the outside to a certain standard. Something that is transformed is something that is changed from the inside into that standard. It's a change that takes place beyond their, one's own power. 
So faith, faith values the internal, not the external. Let me give you the second thing about faith here and the value that faith has. Faith values the eternal, not the temporal. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Faith values the eternal, not the temporal. Look again in verses 17 and 18. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why? For the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what faith understands? Everything that we see in this life is temporal. Listen, I'm a Bible believer, but you know what? This copy is not going to make it. I'm just telling you. Right? It's not going to make it out of this world. Now, God's got it all settled in heaven. Amen? Amen? So it's no big deal if this copy doesn't make it. But you understand that body in which you live, it's not going to make it. Not in its current condition. Aren't you glad? Say amen right there. The older I get, the more thankful I am that I'm getting a new body one day. Fashioned like unto his. Amen. Thank God for this church building. Guess what? It ain't going to make it. Your home. I hope, I hope that you enjoy being home. Hope you love your home. But guess what? It ain't going to make it. Everything that we see here is temporal. Now, you know what the, the investors tell us? The financial investors, they tell us something. And I think it's, I think it's very instructive and helpful. They tell us not to invest in things that depreciate in value, right? Now, they would look at my life and they would say, they look at my, my purchase that I just made, that RV out there. Where is it? Over here? Okay, I get turned around. I can't. That is not a solid financial investment. You, know, you want to know why? When that thing was brand new, the, the original sticker is in there somewhere. It was about $450,000. Can you imagine? I didn't pay anywhere near that. Not anything close to that. It's 20 years old. That's in pretty good shape. It's held some value. But I could never get out of that what was paid for it when it was new. And the financial gurus would say, don't invest the way that he just invested. I mean, what, what I paid for, I'll never get back out of it. Just not a solid financial investment. However, I'm not living this life for solid financial investments. You know what that is? That's an investment for there. All those preachers, they just go into the ministry for money. I can tell you're not a preacher. <laughs> Ain't nobody making a bunch of money. I mean, he talks about, and Pastor uh, uh, Kenny, he mentioned at the beginning of the week, you know, these, these big-time evangelists. Maybe it was you, maybe it was uh, Jason. Yeah, I know you were. And I almost said, I almost said, hey, I don't have a television show, so... That sets me, I'm in a different category than all the ones who are making all the money, right? We're not in this thing to make money. We're not laying up treasures on this earth. We're laying up treasures in heaven. So guess what? In the end of all things, we actually have made a solid investment in buying that rig. Not on this side of heaven, but on the other side, it's going to pay dividends. Amen? 
Listen, what faith does, faith invests in that which is eternal. What are you investing in? What do you value? That which is temporal, let me read to you the definition of temporal. Pertaining to this life or this world. Well, that's a pretty good definition, isn't it? Measured or limited by time, space, or matter. You know, everything in this world that you can see is limited to this world. Jesus tells us to lay up our treasure in heaven, not to lay up our treasure in earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay it up in heaven. Nobody can get to it there. Not even the devil. All this is temporal. That which is eternal is without beginning or end. It is perpetual, continued without intermission. So eternal, everlasting and eternal are not exactly the same. Everlasting means it's never going to end. But eternal means it never began. And it's not going to end. So listen, everything that is connected to God, God is eternal. There's no, end, uh, there's no beginning to God. There's no end to God. So that which God deems eternal, listen, that is a solid investment. And, and, and when you think about something that's eternal and that we can, we can invest in that which is eternal right now, think about that. We don't have to wait till eternity. As a matter of fact, you better not wait until you're in eternity in order to invest in the eternal because it'll be too late. What we do with this life right now, this is investment into eternity. And I'm not going to go all into it, but you understand there are going to be levels of rewards in the kingdom. Are you listening? And you're going to be rewarded based on your works. And we know that works are a result of faith. Is that right? Always has been that way. So he says, listen, don't, don't, don't invest. He, he says here, we're not looking. And remember last night when we, when we talked about looking unto things, it's not just seeing them, but it's looking to them. It is an expectation. It is you're, you're, you're looking to someone for help or for guidance or for supply or as a goal that you're trying to reach, this is the idea in verse 18. He says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Don't look to, listen, don't just look to the affairs of this life and skip looking toward eternity. Luke chapter 12, God called that man a fool, Right? The parable of the rich man building bigger barns. Man, he's got these fields and he's bringing all, all this increase in. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tear down those barns. I'm going to build bigger. And I'm, and, and I'm going to say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be? Now, in the eyes of the world, everybody look at that man and say, what a success. Are you listening? They look at this man, they say, what a success. Look at all that he's doing and all that he's gathering. And my, look what he left behind for his family. But in the eyes of God, the Bible says he was not rich toward God. And God called him a fool. 
There's a lot of millionaires that are fools. They're rich in this world's good, but they're not rich toward God. They've invested in the temporal and they're, and they're poverty stricken when it comes to the eternal. Now, that does not mean that what we do and what happens to us on this side of eternity does not matter. To the contrary, we can invest in eternity on this side of eternity. Look at verse 17 again. And look at an example here. The Apostle Paul is the penman here that God's using to write this down. And he's talking about his life here in this passage. He says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I don't know how many times I've read this, but I'll tell you one thing. I've always scratched my head a little bit when I read this first line, this first phrase, for our light affliction. Have you read about Paul's life? Man, if anybody had affliction in the New Testament, it was the Apostle Paul. Outside of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, it seems like by the record, he went through more than anybody else did. Would you agree with that? Hardships. I mean, he's being beaten and he goes down through the whole list. I don't even like reading it because I get depressed. All this stuff he went through, right? Shipwrecked and left for dead, stoned and left for dead. All these things he's went through and he says are light affliction. I would not call Paul's affliction light. But then I'm looking at it wrong. I'm looking at Paul's affliction as opposed to my affliction. But that's not the comparison that he's making here. He's not saying some people have heavy affliction, some people have light affliction. That's not what he's talking about. Look what it says again in verse 17. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal, what's that next word? Weight of glory. So you've got light in the first part of the verse, and then you've got weight in the last part of the verse. He's comparing his affliction to the glory that he's going to have. You know what he's saying? And this is, this is the spirit of faith speaking right here. The spirit of faith is saying, it does not matter what we go through this side of heaven. It's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. And whatever affliction we have gone through, and you can name all kinds of stuff, people are going through all kinds of things, all types of loss and hurt and betrayal and all of that stuff. Is, listen, it cannot compare to the weight of glory that awaits us. That's how all of these things are not even going to be a memory anymore. Because the glory that we're going to experience is going to wipe away all those bad memories. Listen, about the best way I can explain it to you, best way I can understand it, somewhat, and the Bible describes when a woman gives birth to a child and she sees that baby and, and all, listen, all the pain and the suffering and the labor that she went through, all of that pales in comparison to that precious child in her arms. And that's, listen, that's just the best way to illustrate it on this side of heaven. It's going to be even beyond that. Listen, when we see the glory, we experience the glory that we're going, to, we're going to have with Christ, all of the former things will pass away. They won't even be a memory. Listen, well, I'm feeling some joy bubble up in my soul right now because I'm thinking of people that have some awful, terrible things in their past, the things that have happened to them, maybe things they've done. Listen, are you listening? And they're trying to forget about it. And they're trying to just go on. They're trying to, boy, you know, I just, I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to forget. There's some things you just are never going to forget. 
on this side. <laughs> oh, but when we get to the other side, <laughs> you will never remember any of those things anymore. Amen. Glory to God. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter what affliction you're going through. It is light in comparison to the weight of glory. Look at Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Feeling some glory in my soul tonight. Heaven is for real. Amen. The Bible is real. Our Savior is real. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse number verse number 15. We'll try to start there. It's, it's hard to find. It's hard to start at the beginning of a context in these epistles. Have you noticed that? You about got to start at 1-1 on all these things. We'll jump in here at verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. <laughs> Woo! Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. That we may be also glorified together. Here it is, verse 18. For I reckon. Who's reckoning here? The spirit of faith. <laughs> For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know what he's saying? There is no comparison. I, and again, I'm not belittling the affliction and the troubles and the hardships that we've gone through. I'm just trying to encourage us to say, listen, one day, as hard as it is to believe, the spirit of faith understands and believes that one day we're not going to remember those things anymore, that those things are going to pale. As a matter of fact, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Not just to us, but in us. Whew. The work of God, the riches of His glory revealed in us. I know this is not going to happen, but if it could, up there in heaven, somebody says, Hey, hey, Brother Howard. Well, you remember when you had that real bout with sickness? And you're going to say, no, I don't remember that at all. Hey, remember, listen, remember when you lost that loved one? I don't remember. I don't remember that at all. Listen, I'm saying the hurt, the grief, the pain, the sorrow, the sin, the failure, it's all gone. And our whole existence is just going to be wrapped up in the glory of God. Join heirs with Christ. Anybody earn that? I didn't earn it. I could never earn it. I didn't earn to be a joint heir with Christ. I've just been made a joint heir with Christ. Let me show you one more thing here in 2 Corinthians 4. Maybe a couple more things. Did you notice in verse 17? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Listen, you know what that affliction is doing? It's not working against us. It's working for us. 
it feels like, listen, affliction feels like it's working against us. And maybe the intention of that affliction is to work against us. But God can take something that seems to be against us and turn it for us. That affliction's on our payroll. They're working for us. Amen? Because God can take afflictions and pain and suffering. And listen, if, if we just stop and think for a moment in our own lives that we see in the lives of our loved ones, listen, some of the people that went through some of the hardest things that, that anybody's ever had to go through, some of those people have the sweetest spirits. There's such a depth to them. They've drawn close to God in those times. And listen, you've been helped because of the affliction that they've gone through. They achieved a closeness to God they would not have had without that affliction. That's how affliction works for us. Kind of like Calvary. You listening? Kind of like Calvary. The bulls of Bashan encamped around Christ. The devils sending him on Calvary. And the devil, listen, the devil wanted him dead. Guess what? That worked out really well for us. The Bible says he was made perfect through the things which he suffered. That's what the book says. I believe it. Amen. He lived out in the flesh what he already had in heaven. Is that right? He learned some things, the Bible says. You know, Jesus learned obedience. That's what the book says. Why, he never had to obey in heaven. Is that right? You don't have to obey when you're in charge. But you know what he did? He took on flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There was some affliction there, but that affliction worked for him and it worked for us. Faith values that. If we're living by the flesh, we would never choose afflictions. Let me just tell you, I don't like afflictions, but I'm thankful for the afflictions that I've had because they've made me better. Let me give you this, we'll be done. Faith values the internal, faith values the eternal, but then faith values the supernal. So what does that mean? That means things relating or relating to things above, celestial, heavenly. If you go back in, uh, if you're there, you're there in 2 Corinthians 4, look at chapter 5. It starts with the word for. So it's connecting to chapter 4. He says, we don't look at things which are seen, things which are not seen, things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this, what, this what? This earthly house. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Wherefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know what faith values? 
Faith values that land that's fairer than day. Faith values that new body that we're going to have in heaven. Faith causes the believer to live for things above, not on things of the earth. Faith causes us to set our affection on things above, to set our affection on things that we have not seen and on a place we've never been. That's what faith does. I think about Caleb. Look in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Caleb, uh, I get the feeling that Caleb was very, uh, for lack of a better term, very patriotic. He loved his nation. I can see him being one of those guys. He loved his country. But you see something in Caleb's life and in all these people in Hebrews chapter 11. There was something more important to them than their country here. Hebrews 11, look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now watch this in verses 14 through 16. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. I look at these verses and I think about three countries. I think about that old country in the life of Caleb, that old country, that was Egypt. That's where he was born. Ever think about that? All those Israelites that came out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they were all born in Egypt. But though they were born in Egypt, they were not Egyptians. Right? We're here in this world, but we're not of this world. And so there was that old country, and some of the people, the Bible says, some of the people that came out, if they'd had opportunity, they'd have went back. Listen, Aren't you glad after you get saved, you can't go back? Amen. 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 They complained and griped and and talked about how they're going to go back to Egypt. It was better in Egypt, but they never went back. They didn't have opportunity to. That's what the book says. If they'd had opportunity, they would have went back. They didn't have that opportunity. What a picture for us today. So there's that old country. But then they left that old country to seek another country. Canaan. Is that right? That land that was flowing with milk and honey. The the representation of God's will for our lives. It was God's will for Israel to leave Egypt and to live in Canaan. We look at this when we get saved. It's God's will for us to leave Egypt behind and establish our lives in the will of God. Living in victory over sin. But here he tells us they left that old country and they came to a new country. But now they're looking for a better country. Whose builder and maker is God. They left the old country. They sought a new country, but now they desire a better country. I'm glad that Caleb didn't settle with the two and a half tribes on the other side of Jordan. There are some, they got out of Egypt. They even made it through the wilderness, but they never made it to where God wanted them to be. Caleb did, but you know what? Caleb said, you know, this is not really where I want to stay forever. I'm seeking a better country. You know what faith does? Faith looks to 
a better country. You know what that causes the believer to do who walks by faith? It causes them to not sink down roots too deep in this world. They confess that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. You ever just drive through town and, you, and just look around and think, man, I just don't feel like I belong here. Now, it happens to us all the time because we're always going to new towns. But even when I'm home, I go home, our little village, there's about 270 people in our village. We greatly increased the population when we moved into town. I was looking at, you know, I'm, I, we're... we're we're going, we've got a plan to take the gospel to every community in New Brunswick. And so I'm looking at it, and it shows the growth rate, you know, of each community. And most of them are red. They're going down. I came to St. Martin's, and we've jumped up 20% since the last census. We had a big part to do with that, amen, when you're only in a town of 270. We get home, and, man, it's good to be home. We're traveling all these, all these miles, all these months. We get home. Man, it's good to be there, but it still doesn't feel like home. You know why? Because it's not home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Sing it. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Heavenly Father, help us to live with our affection, our eyes, our values set upon you, set upon what you value, the internal, the eternal, the supernal. God, I pray that you'd help us to Live by faith. Walk by faith. Lord, I believe that as we do, that we'll be ambassadors, good ambassadors, for that land that's fairer than day. We do seek a better country. God, I pray that our lives might be lights this dark world, that there is a better land. To tell them, Lord, that there's a better way to live. That there's purpose and joy and fulfillment found in living according to your word and simple faith in your plan. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.